We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm co-host Alex Gibson, joined as always by Sean Nash and Chris Scott Moore. What's going on, fellas? What's happening, my boys? What's going on? Missed you. It's been a little bit longer because uh, we, we recorded on a Sunday last time. We're recording on a Tuesday this time. My, my clock is all messed up. As is your basement. <laughs> Thank you. A little inside joke there. <laughs> <laughs> we... Uh, we, we're having a good week. It's been uh, we we purchased tickets to go see AEW in Cleveland in January, and then uh, the biggest news of all is the Detroit Lions are no longer a winless team. Congratulations, Sean! Yeah, baby, we finally did it. Notch one up on the wins, but that'll be the only one. So don't don't get any hopes, anyone. Hey, uh, every win streak starts at one. So it's true. It's true. Please remember to subscribe to our show via iTunes or Spotify. Give us a five-star review if you can. And if you have any questions that you want us to discuss on the show, feel free to add one of those to the comment section, and we'll discuss whatever it is that you want to talk about on the next show. Visit our website, WrestlingElitist.com, to get our match ratings and latest articles as well. Sean, can you please tell the people about the format of the show? So every week, we're going to hit you with our match of the week, what we like the best. Um, then we're going to hit moment or segment of the week, news item of the week, cringeworthy item of the week, and finally, what we're anticipating for the future weeks and months to come. Pretty full show, if you ask me. Running the whole gamut. What's good, what's bad, and what's to come. And speaking of what's good... Chris, let us know what your match of the week was. Yeah, so my match of the week was the FTR match against uh, Pac and Penta. So I went into the match thinking that it was still the two out of three falls match, and it was for the titles. I was so convinced that FTR was going to win the belt. (laughs) So I was like trying to block out everything on social media and silence everything. So I was a little bit shocked of like, hey, what the fuck is this? This isn't like, they didn't win the belts. This is a totally different thing. But uh, I did enjoy the match. I thought, of course, these two partner so well. Um, and they paired up perfectly. I liked uh, Pac's injured eye and watching him put that in the match and have that be a storyline and a thread. It's funny how he's so fluid. He can't even, like, wait when he's trying to demonstrate him fucking up, it's not like he's fucking up. Like he still looks like so pristine and smooth when he was like doing some of those like botch spots. Um, and then the ending of course was great with some of those reversals and kickouts and false finishes. And then Malachi black coming out to shoot the mist in the eyes of Pac and uh, the aftermatch uh, skullduggery of him rubbing it into his face. I thought was kind of a nice detail. You never see that with this, with, with the mist. That was cool. And then who doesn't love our two favorite cunts, FTR taking the masks up and putting it on their faces and running around with it. Putting it on backwards. Assholes. The fact that they put it on backwards just made it that much. Oh, yeah. They put it on wrong. It was just, I thought that was the funniest shit in the world. I was like, oh, this is a classic. Um, Three star match. Uh, I think that was the better match, in my opinion, of the week. But there was a lot of stuff that was good. You know, it was a great week. It wasn't a great week of wrestling, but it was a good week of wrestling where the in-ring product was, yeah, there wasn't an all-time classic, but it was entertaining. Absolutely. It was a, it was another, it was another week of like a lot of really good three stars to me. It was all a good show. Yeah. Just straight good shows. I totally missed the, we're not doing two out of three falls out of this. I was like, I went back and rewatched it, trying to look for the first fall. Nothing. Just, I don't know what I'm missing lately, but it's continuing to happen just, but yes, continue just to kind of a 
good week of shows, just nothing great, all kind of three stars in there. Yeah, and I think that also, um, you know, neither, none of us had this as their anticipation, but the fact that it's clear that they're kind of building to Malachi versus Pac, uh, very excited about the potential of that matchup as a as a long-term feud. I saw something on Reddit of like a possible Pac joining the Black Cult or whatever the hell um, Malachi is a part of, that it kind of gets interesting with him spraying the eye. He's got the the eye patch and then he can continue to blow the mist in his face create the same kind of style of eye that he has and create this little faction because malachi black and pock as a heel yeah that'd be great i like that a lot now i'm just imagining that that mist is like uh poison ivy's like dust that she blows in people's face to make (laughs) them fall in love yeah yeah sean how about you what was your match of the week uh like Chris was saying, and we were saying, just it's a good week. Three stars kind of all around to the best matches. And I went with CM Punk versus Lee Moriarty. Lee Moriarty is really starting to show off. Um, and I think CM Punk starting to actually show he hasn't lost a step, really, because there was some great chain wrestling throughout this whole match. Um, both of them come out with like styles of MF Doom and uh, on Lee Moriarty's mask and Lars Fredrickson on uh, CM Punk's T-shirt. Pretty cool, cool things. MJF came out wearing the worst suit, but we'll talk about that later. That's for another segment. Um, Lee Moriarty's his, his uh, jumping frog splash that he does just from the ground. It's so cool. He's, he's so tall and his limbs just really bend back there for that. And he kind of does that. Um, can't mention his name. Marty Squirrel pop of the like the shoulder or something with people when he does like that leg dislocator and just continue to try and do a little sneaky style with variations to pins. Um, Punk had a great transition from the Scorpion death drop position to the GTS. Great, great little move there. That was sweet. Um, three stars from me, not even MJF's uh, bad commentary and jokes later on could really ruin this match for me in the ring. It was great. You guys got anything on it? Yeah, they, they just have good charisma together. They're a good, they're a good pair. Um, yeah. And I know MJF really belabored the point of like, how come you can't beat this guy and um, you're struggling with him. But I think in, in, a, in a reverse way, it did put over Lee. And I think uh, these two could do some good matches on the line or he could be someone that could be part of a stable where it's naturally he's feuding with Punk again. So I like that guy's future. I think he's great. You always mention something about you're only as good as your dance partner. And it just makes me laugh every time I hear it. It's so just funny to hear. But CM Punk and both Lee Moriarty kind of prove that they're able to work with so many people that they continue just to put on great dances. And you could see the the influence that Lee Moriarty has from Punk too. So uh, that's kind of like a weird point where we're at in like wrestling, especially with AEW guys, where so many of these people were so influenced by CM Punk or by uh, Brian Danielson. Uh, Good job. That, there you go. Thank you. Look at you know, learning learning lessons. Uh, that you know you're just gonna that's gonna be a fun thing to see over the next few years whenever we see these matchups between those two and the younger guys we're just gonna see people who have been watching them forever and their style is kind of coming from that yeah and and to another it's why they i think they make such a beat out of the fact that you left for seven years like it does get to some people and i don't think that's just like a dumb storyline thing or something that they go okay maybe the general audience will think this I genuinely think some wrestlers do take it right too seriously and overthink about that and think like, 
oh fuck i'm really going for his throat by mentioning this and it's like you you had life stuff he needed to do (laughs) like he's a regular guy too just relax yeah it's funny i wonder how long they're going to be bringing that up i feel like in two years i think that'll be something that'll be brought up forever and it's such a non-point but eh, whatever yeah yeah uh, and then for myself, I had my match of the week as uh, Sammy Guevara versus Tony Nice from uh, Rampage as well for the TNT title. And uh, funny enough, last week I kind of shit on the fact that Rampage doesn't always feel super like an urgent thing to watch because it's pre-taped and everything. And uh, you know, I think we all really enjoyed the matches from from that show this week. For me, um, you know, it was cool to see Tony's Tony's kind of debut on TNT. Uh, some of the things that really stood out to me. First of all, I love that they really lean into the whole premier athlete gimmick for him. So first of all, coming out in like that track jacket and everything. Mm-hmm. Second, you know, prior when he had that uh, promo the week before and he mentions like those other guys could have beaten Sammy, but I've been watching the tape and I see where they messed up. So just kind of like doing those little things, especially with AEW doing uh, all the different record type stuff. So they, they're kind of just leaning into it with him. Whereas before when he was in the cruiserweight division in WWE, he was called the premier athlete, but he like wasn't really like, there was nothing about that. It was basically like, Hey, this guy's got a six pack or an eight pack, whatever you want to call it. Like that was his gimmick essentially. So I I've enjoyed seeing that, but some of the the moves in that match, um, when Tony kicked Sammy, when he was like kind of laying on the top rope and he, so he kicked him in the stomach and then he popped up onto his shoulders. That was a really cool spot. It looked, it just looked really fluid. Like I feel like if I were to imagine that move, I would think it looked dumb, but the way that they pulled it off, it was perfect. They're both super athletic. Uh, the cor- corkscrew tope from Sammy really blew me away as well. Um, there was a spinning back kick that uh, Tony hit towards the end that I thought was actually going to end the match. And then there's also a really nice buckle bomb that just looked brutal. Like it, you know, the same the same way that Sting's career was almost ended. I thought that uh, that Sammy's <laughs> Sammy's was done. Uh, I thought it was a really good match. Um, you know, I was actually almost bummed when I saw Sammy lose that or win that, sorry, I, which I'm not a huge Sammy fan, but I also wasn't going into it as a huge Tony Nese fan. He made a fan out of me. I'm excited to see what else he can do. Uh, and I, I also do have to give it up to Sammy in the sense that like, as much as I loved Miro, I loved him being the TNT champion. I love the matches that Sammy's putting on right now in these open challenges. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with both of those things. So first, it's always a, it's always a pleasure when you think, you know, logically, it doesn't make sense for this one guy to go over, but I'm totally cool with it if he does, and I wouldn't be upset or shocked by it. And that sensation kept hitting me during the match. I like Tony Nese's look now. He looks like a premier athlete. He looks like a bigger star in AEW than he ever did in 205 Live or whatever. Uh, he looks like he could be a main player. Um, body looks great, too. He looks almost as good as Jose with his shirt off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's in my cringe later on but um no like like he does look good and like he made me think of paul roma with talent that's almost what he looks like in a way um and he uh to reiterate what you said too he uh sammy is doing a lot better in the ring in terms of uh the last couple of matches of these like la the spectacular false finishes that's like okay that would fucking kill you like that's not a two count and there was none of that in this match it was very mat based and is oriented a different way and tony nice was almost like wrestling a different style and it seemed a little bit slower at first but that was fine it made it more psychologically unique and a different style for sammy and got to see him uh showcase a different style so i love the match i thought it was a three-star match too but again rampage looked really urgent this week everything on that show had a purpose and it was different and I liked having less stuff on it 
to just showcase uh, folks that are at the top of their game. Yeah, um, I'm not truly quite on the uh, Sammy Guevara hype train you guys are on yet. This was definitely a, like a much improvement from the the 2.99 counts. Just there was a little less of that. Tony Nice, I think, was great in the debut for live television again. It was good to see. wasn't my favorite of the the better matches of the week, but definitely a better show in for Sammy Guevara in my eyes than he has been putting on. I, I am definitely ready to stop seeing him selling his ribs. It's yeah. getting to Matt Jackson in like 2016 levels with his back. Uh, I, I don't need him to be selling that week after week after week. Um, but I, I do think that Sammy's growing on me in the ring. I still don't necessarily love him as a character. I think that he needs to kind of figure out who he is still. Um, and also, I think that despite the fact that he has a really, you know, uh, like what would lean to itself being a face move set, he's still just got like a face and like an attitude about him that he he's a better heel. Like even with those move sets, he should just be super cocky about how athletic he is. And that should be kind of his thing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that moves forward. Uh, but speaking of moving forward onto the moment of the week, I'm trying to get better Ooh, at my segues. Like that's Chris. good. That was, uh, that's some a game Alex right there. I love it. <laughs> Chris, what was your moment of the week? Uh, I'm a big sucker for the storyline stipulation of guys can't touch before a big match. That's such an acquired taste. I, I'm probably one of the very few people who actually really does enjoy that. But I, I love what they're doing with Hangman and Brian Danielson. See how I did it there? Just a little pause and then you say it. Um, the American uh, Dragon. That's what that's his new name. <laughs> I'm never calling him anything but the American Dragon. <laughs> no, but uh, I was sucker for that. The the not touching and it does build up the match and you want to see them wrestle more. So that was my moment of the week. Their interaction that they had. Um, the, the, the the Dark Order fellow. What the hell? The guy. The Jet Silver. I forgot his fucking name. Brain fart. Yeah, but, like, he's the he's the top guy left in the Dark Order now. So for. Uh, Danielson to squash him and pose. That'll be great next week. And then we'll get to uh, winner is coming. I love it. Yeah. I, you know, I think I was worried about like, are they doing it almost too early? Like I thought that they were going to have this, this match be kind of hit go into January almost. Um, but they're doing a good job of like doing it slow, but at the same time it can just, it can be ready to like flip at any moment and I'm ready to see them fight. Uh, so it's been a it's been a good build up, and I do I whoever thought of the idea of like he should just ru- run through the entire Dark Order essentially, uh, I love it. Uh, I don't know I know Chris isn't much of a um, a being the elite fan, uh, but Sean I don't know if you saw they did like a segment this week with Anna J where she basically called uh, the American Dragon a coward for not coming for her. So uh, damn. <laughs> So between that and then the fact that uh, I tweeted earlier, uh, Preston Vance is technically from Michigan. Would have been a real nice way for uh, us to get a Michigan show, but apparently that that won't be our luck for this. Still, still gotta travel our way around. I uh, I'm definitely like you, kind of love that little tension that builds when they can't touch. There's the the brush by. I wish it would have been a little longer of a bit or a story because I feel like it would be much cooler if he went through the full entire dark order instead of just the top two, three, and then Alan angels kind of just weird to toss him in there, but cool. Nonetheless, I'm definitely ready for this match to happen finally. So um glad for that to, to be just right around the corners at two weeks or one week away. That is next 15th. week. 15th. Wow. 
right around the corner. That's sweet. But uh, my moment of the week, segment of the week, was that the uh, DMD team is back on track. Uh, clearly, Brit's kind of in her own world there because it subtly seemed that nothing's really still right there. Hater just still just being a little distant from the crew that she normally has been. We're going to have a match with Riho and her um, that's going to soften her up for Brit. At, um, is that going to be at... Uh, Winter's coming, or is that still down the road? Not I sure. Don't know. I'm not sure. I promise it's going to be a slaughter fest, and hopefully it is because I can't really stand Riho in those Mormon oh, no, pajamas. That's I'm sorry. Yeah, it is next week. Next week. So cool. Yep. Get her out of here. Um, and again, <laughs> at the end, we see um, when they do the DMD finger taps, still, obviously, Hater's not going to do it, but we continue to see Rebel be the one to be like, what the fuck's going on? Why aren't you doing it? Brit's never selling it. She's that's not in her character. She's not going to. Once it's going to happen, this demise, we'll see. Hope. I mean, it could make sense that it's going to happen around this Riho match. Maybe. I mean, she's the first champion, AEW women's champion. So there's that kind of back and forth. They could do with the titles there, but that kind of was my moment of the week. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to see, the the women's division kind of having like a little bit of a side story where like it's it typically has been so far like it's just like oh yeah this is the person that Britt Baker's feuding with or she does feuding with it's kind of cool that Britt's got like whatever's in front of her at the moment but then also these kind of side things going on where her own team is kind of starting to to not um be getting along fully and everything like that so it's just nice to see a little bit more development in that area and hopefully they continue to do that yeah definitely um and there's still even so many feuds that she's got going, like Thunder Rosa, if, if that falls through with her and the Jade Cardgill match, we can continue to bring her down. There's plenty and a lot to do with Britt Baker and definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like right now she could have a Bruno San Martino run as as the women's champion. Right. She's just, oh, she I'm not, should, yeah, not, I agree. I'm not, I'm not sick of it. Uh, I, I want her to hold that title for a while. Uh, until hopefully Ember Moon comes, and uh, but even that, hopefully that's not an instant thing. Um, you know, hopefully she has to kind of build her way up there. Uh, my moment of the week was MJF on commentary. Uh, I, I want to be specific that it was his time on commentary and not his promos after. Uh, but I felt like you know a lot of times when they have people that are on commentary, especially like the heels, they're not as good as like i'd want them to be like it's kind of like they didn't do anything for me with them being on there the whole time that just mjf wouldn't shut up i was like god i cannot wait for punk to put him to sleep that's what i enjoyed about that whole thing was he just would he would he kept saying the stupid pg punk that's not even that good of a line and the fact that like mjf as a character thinks that that's a good line really frustrates me i i mean obviously call saying that cm stands for cooking meth that was pretty funny but overall, I just thought that he did a, such a good job of making me hate him and want to see him just get a knee through his forehead. Uh, that that's why that was my moment of the week. Uh, it it it's funny to think that like the fans and the audience didn't even really get to see what I had as my moment of the week unless I went back and watched it. But overall, I just I think that a lot of times you got you get people that just don't have what it takes to really be on commentary. And and MJF when it comes to talking uh, can't really be matched. Yeah, some heel characters will get themselves over and they don't get the angle over, but he does a good job of getting the angle over. Um, yeah, he, he, he has the ability to uh, 
freestyle and obviously Barry Punk and make himself look good, but he is pushing the story forward and he's not just being all about himself. And um, yeah, I love him on commentary too. He's great wherever that he does when he talks. Yeah. I'm glad you said what you said, because this definitely, once I went back and watched uh, dynamite kind of felt more into my cringe of MJF continue his commentary and the, the post-match promo just really, wasn't my favorite from him. So, I mean, I'll get to that later, but yeah, I definitely want to see that knee go into his forehead with that go to sleep soon. Moving on to our news of the week, Chris, what did you have? Well, I don't want to take the energy of the show down. So let me just preface there and we'll be quick just because we don't have uh, hours to talk about it. Um, but AEW put out a video of uh, mental health awareness which is a good video. I recommend everyone to watch that. It's something that you could even share on social media to people who aren't wrestling fans. Um, but good messages and something that, you know, when I uh, was struggling to just to be okay with the fact that I had depression and even to get help, it's a good video for that. And I hope uh, people will see that and um, get over the stigmatization of asking for help. And um, they reinforce multiple times, talk to a professional, and there's no shame in getting on medication, which is great. Um, the thing that I don't want to like tank the show on or just turn the change the whole tenor of the show. Um, for those of you that don't know, the three of us live in southeastern Michigan. Uh, there was the mass shooting uh, last week that was uh, just sickening and devastating. Um, I'll quote Kurt Vonnegut in that there's nothing intelligent you can say about a massacre. And that's what this was. Um, it was a very difficult week for everyone here. And it was depressing as fuck. And it's just sad. Um this isn't going to be a show about gun reform or mental health awareness and or anything like that, or trying to find a solution. It was just a sad time. Um, and you hope that there's more talk about mental health awareness and there's more talk about things. So hopefully these people who are in these horrible situations uh, that would be inclined to shoot their peers and kids at school can, someone can reach out to them and they can realize that this isn't a permanent thing and that there is an ability to get help and hopefully they get their shit fixed. Um, so it's been a sad time, but that was like a beacon of hope to watch that and just kind of get cheered up with everything that's going on. Um, I don't know if you guys had anything you wanted to say about that too. And obviously I don't want to spend too much time on it just because it's so sad and what the fuck are we going to say to make anyone feel better about it? Yeah. I, I don't really have anything else to add other than, um, you know, obviously it's been a tough week being around here. Everybody, I think, knows some people that are tied to that community. Um, but it's one of the things like obviously a tragedy. It's never worth what you what comes out of it. But like, it, it's beautiful when you do see everybody come together. And it's you know, I've got some people that I know that are very close to that situation um, and just kind of hearing what the reaction's been um, just super appreciative of not only local people that have been, you know, helping out, but nationally, the the response that people have given to Oxford and the greater um, Detroit community is is super uh, appreciated. And uh, just on, on the topic of the mental health stuff as well, just, um, you know, I think especially with wrestling, we've always looked at them as the the tough people that, you know, they can never be afraid of anything and they can never be vulnerable. So I think as wrestling fans, we're not used to getting to see that. And that's really what helped make that video so powerful. Yeah, hopefully just every day we get closer and closer to ending the stigma that is mental health and the pitfalls that befall you of it. Um, it's definitely been a hard time in our community, but, you know, strength rises, but it's hard and sometimes you just need to grieve. 
things will get better. That's for sure. They will. Um, did you have anything else to add kind of on your thoughts of, uh, of that video, Chris, or. No, I just, I, I love the idea too, that hopefully we're not going to have a lot of guys that die young that are AEW wrestlers. You know, I, I, I watch that and I get hope that they're not going to embarrass the industry and they're not going to embarrass the fandom by, you know, dying because of self-destruction and, um, being too, be, being too stoic in their own minds. Um, the wrestlers that I idolized growing up are mostly dead. Like it's sad where you can't watch WrestleManias without going, holy shit, 75% of the roster is dead or they died by poor choices or ill adventure. Um, and I think for a kid growing, growing up and watching AEW now, they're not, I don't think that's going to happen. So very positive to see that they have better models and they learn from the past generation and aren't going to have the same mistakes. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. It's a completely different culture. Um, and you know, you, you kind of hear some of the older guys like make references to like how like the new, the new school of wrestlers are all like nerds or whatever, but I'd rather be looking up to them. And and that makes me feel better about, you know, if I have children down in the future, like them looking up to Xavier Woods and, and guys like that, rather than, uh, you know, the guys who used to, uh, just do drugs all the time and, and, you know, overdose go to go to strip clubs and then do it all over again the next night so sean let's uh let's transition over to you uh what was your news of the week yeah hopefully on a much later slightly lighter note i guess um my news was the new uh some new japan stars um the gaijin the non-japanese wrestlers aren't really going to be halted from the border closing for wrestle kingdom 16 uh, in japan looks like the president obari said that he doesn't see any issues with uh, foreigners coming in under their work visas. So good to hear because Osprey's got that night two match with the winner of Shingo Okada. And hopefully he's just there to lose because we need to see either Shingo or Okada to keep that belt. Please do not give it to Osprey. And then there's other people out there. Like, I'm not sure. I think Zack Sabre Jr. kind of has residence there now. So I don't think he would be an issue. But you also have Juice, uh, Jeff Cobb. It's, it's uh, people from the LA dojo, who knows what's going to happen. Um, I mean, maybe John Moxley, that'd be cool to see him over there around that time. It's also the holidays. So people are going to be traveling a lot. So we'll see what's going to be happening and where people are at, at the time when things change again. Do you guys have anything? Yeah, we that? look forward to uh, Russell kingdom so much. And I think this year has really suffered build wise because they just didn't know what was going on and you can't build a card around um, all the foreign talent if you don't know what's going to happen. So I think now that things are a little bit more solid, solid uh, we'll get a better idea of what the card's going to look like. And hopefully we'll have some bonus shows uh, and some additional content on WrestlingElitist.com. Bookmark it if you can, uh, where we'll talk about our favorite Wrestle Kingdom matches because we actually talked about that before we went on the air tonight, um, how much we want to do some Wrestle Kingdom shit too. And uh, we love this event. It's one of our favorite events. I think this is one of the first... Uh, Wrestle Kingdom is the first show that we all saw together, right? Or one of the first shows, maybe? No, I don't know. One but of the first. Something we all one saw the, together. Yeah, and it's the uh, it's the WrestleMania of wrestling, so I'm really excited oh, for it. Truly. What about my you, news of the <laughs> my news of the week was uh, the American Dragon Brian Danielson uh, said in an interview this week that he wants to build a faction, and he specifically called out uh, Daniel Garcia as a member of that potential faction. Uh, for me, that's that's super exciting. Um, we mentioned Lee Moriarty earlier. I would love to see him in that as well. Maybe Wheeler Yuta. 
um, it'd just be cool to see him help uh, elevate some young guys, especially with that technical style. Um, I think that in my mind, I could see, you know, if we were to ever see like a Zack Sabre Jr. come over, seeing those two team up as like the two veterans of the group and then like mentoring like Moriarty and Garcia, that would be like a dream come true for me. I would love to see something like that, like almost just like a shoot wrestlers club. Um, so super excited to see what that leads to, especially with this heel Danielson that we're seeing. Um, I think he's been pretty funny on Twitter. Like the other day, he just was basically said, I think uh, Sammy looks stupid. So I hope Tony Nese beats him. Uh, just stuff like that's like kind of goofy and you don't ever hear that from him in the past. So definitely looking forward to seeing what what comes of that. You had a good idea in our message for the other day of having Serena Deeb and that stable. I would fucking love that. She would fit right in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a dream stable that the, the names, it's just endless. That's great. Kyle O'Reilly jumps over, maybe him too. He could, yeah, he that's a shot of jumping over maybe put like this week or something. And yeah, there's some... contracts up are going to be up soon. So that could be, a, I mean, maybe it makes more sense to have him in the newfangled elite, but hey, I'll take him in uh, Danielson stable. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are really exciting and intriguing that we could potentially see in that stable. And I'm just like I feel like I'm going to be watching for like little nuggets at this point from them like, "Ooh, what's something small? What is is that a hint? Is that a hint?" So, we'll uh we'll see as that develops and hopefully he loses next week to Hangman and uh we kind of start to see that all develop. On to our cringe of the week, Chris. What had you uh what was rattling your bones this week? Yeah. So I, you know, we want to be closer to time and be cognizant of not going over an hour. So I'm going to be trying to be contrite here. Um, so the Cody and Andrade match was my cringe of the week. I gave it one star in hindsight. I watched it again, actually, just before we recorded, and I still found a lot of errors in it. So I'm going to try to be quick with everything. So first of which, fucking sick and tired of watching Arn get physical and making him look like a doofus. This is the third time he's like been in the wrong position, the wrong time. And he just looks foolish and it's not his fault. Um, Yeah. He tripped and stuff, but then Jose grabs him on camera and yanks him up. He just needs to stop doing physical stuff. So don't book that. Um, It makes him look foolish. And part of me, I, I, the part of me wonders if is the only reason why Cody pairs himself with Arn is because Arn has equity with the fans and that's another way to make him look good or to possibly keep doing this. Is he a heel? Is he a face kind of thing? And just by having him balance it out with Brandy coming back now, um, it's a way to keep him this unfortunate tweener. What the fuck is he? And I think just what the fuck is Cody is really evident and clear now more than ever. Uh, his character truly doesn't make sense. And it seems like it's totally made up week by week who he's trying to be or what. And it doesn't seem like it's defined at all. Like at one point I thought like, okay, maybe this is going to be building to a meta um, breaking the fourth wall, heel turn modern way. Um, but it just seems like he's trying too hard to impress everything. And every match that he's in, it's very self-indulgent and it's all about putting himself over and not his opponent. Um, Andrade didn't even matter in this match. He was just a prop. You could have put anyone else in that slot and it would still feel the same. And it's funny how you feel that same way about Malachi Black, uh, a go-go, whatever the hell that guy's name was. Everyone that he's faced almost in the last like year feels like it's just someone who's in there with him and the spotlight is all about Cody. Um, the match itself had some goofy stuff with his 
was that the the coating on his back just visibly showing right away oh, so immediately you're cued to think like oh there's gonna be a fire spot like i i knew it right away and it was like oh my god they're gonna do a fire spot um and then the end of this the end of the match obviously too like it just didn't work and um him not even uh, him being andrade didn't even go through it and they're trying to put each other out on fire it just looked very choreographed and it looks like they were so committed to their spots because they wanted a big moment as opposed to telling an organic story that made sense. And it just felt like, let's just pile on a bunch of cool shit and hopefully it works. Hopefully something will, will hit where I'll look good or bad or something. Um, and, and, and the other thing too, like I've been thinking more about the Cena comparisons. That was a unique situation that shouldn't have been replicated because it's not a good idea to go against the grain like that. With Roman, it was fucking annoying and it didn't make any sense. And they corrected it by having him a heel now. Cody can't replicate Cena's importance to casual fans because AEW doesn't really have casual fans. They just have hardcore fans. Maybe I'm wrong. I just think they just have casual, they have hardcore fans where they're not going to do the same reaction that they did with Cena and on top of it, Cody's just not the same level of star as Cena. So it's just very odd what they're do what he's doing with himself. And it feels very self-involved. And when again, we talked about this before, when you break the fourth wall and you make everything meta and you invite um smart fans in and wink at them so much, now they're gonna you're 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 exposing so much where now they're gonna you're gonna have to acknowledge the fact that you botched that spot, that you put that chemical shit on your back. How are you going to get away, get around it now? It's just you're you're digging yourself in a hole that you can't dig out of, and I just don't know where it's going to go. I I had a couple of uh, thoughts on it. I mean, I know the uh, unfortunately for me, I had actually I saw the spot before I saw the match uh, because I wasn't watching live, so the the stuff on his back didn't really mean as much to me because it was already spoiled. And if anything, I probably at the time would have been like, does he just have a really bad sun? Like is his sunburn peeling or something like that? Um, but you know, I, I, I would commend a little bit on Andrade, like him not like kicking out essentially with like a, with like a fire on his nipple, almost like the fact that he still like, was just like kind of like casually trying to brush it off, but like keep his shoulders down and not kind of like ruin the ending there. I do want to give Andrade a little bit of credit there. I felt though that the the whole kind of table spot at the end just looked really bad. Like Cody basically just laid on the table with like just like a punch in the face, which was dumb. Uh, I, I don't understand the need to involve Brandy and everything, like especially when Cody already has a manager. So it's not even like she's his manager or valet. Um, it, it's just like another forced thing where once again, uh, they just have to have her involved. They have to have her, which, it, which if you want to do that, then commit to the heel persona because it's just super, super frustrating to watch it in this form. I feel like my intelligence is a little bit insulted almost when they do this stuff with Brandy and with Cody, where they pretend that like at this point, it's not that whole meta thing that it's clearly not that because they would have already done some stuff to acknowledge that and truly make it sure that that was the thing. Uh, so there was, there was that problem for me. And then just overall, um, it, I don't understand the whole mocking of triple H when to me, Cody is exactly triple H. Like he's not playing a character that's supposed to be like triple H. And that's, what's like the, the funny part about it or ironic. Literally Cody is triple H in 2004, 2005, 
but he's not as intriguing to me. Uh, so like the whole, like making fun of him with the golden shovel, with the sledgehammer, all of that stuff, like that would make sense if Cody was being the anti triple H, but he is being triple H at this point. And I don't feel like he understands what irony is. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's kind of put to the use, the, the, the game play just too many times. And it was cool. The first time when he broke down the throne, like sure. That was a perfect time for it. But now you've kind of, you've lived long enough to become the villain of your own story. Um, and this match has truly made no sense throughout the whole thing. I mean, we, it clearly, there's no story, no reason for Brandy. We knew the whole time that something's going to be lit on fire. That Tagaderm back, full back plate that he had was just stupid and so obvious from the beginning, just really kind of insulted your intelligence of trying to disbelief anything. Um, and then I noticed kind of once he tossed his uh, weight belt into the crowd, everyone's just like, toss it back, toss it back. Like you're at like an away game and your team just hit a home run at uh, in Major League Baseball. It's just, is this really going to be the thing that we're going to have to see every single time and booze when the person doesn't do it just because why the fuck feed to any more of Cody's grand delusion? Um, I'm just sick of it. I, I really need Cody to go away. This. This was hard not to just make the full cringe of the week, but there clearly was other things. You got anything, Alex? Yeah, I have some more stuff. Okay, so <laughs> so the Brandy stuff. What the fuck did did Andrade do that was so evil that required flaming tables? Like Malachi Black did some really evil shit to Cody. Like he did. Sure. He was so over the top and bad. Like Andrade just brandished a knife and didn't use it. He used a laptop instead. He's not so bad. Like he did the spike DB, whatever. But I'm being flippant, but he didn't do anything to really warrant that. Um, the the you mentioned the prop before, so the the golden shovel thing. Um, when he grabbed it out underneath the ring, he mouthed lean into it really loud, which is funny in the moment. But that's kind of what his matches are. They're interesting in the moment from a meta standpoint. But it's like, what the fuck is this building to? And it's. It's just this weird experiment that I don't see a payoff and you're digging yourself into a deeper, deeper hole where he's making himself less endearing to the fan base. When we talked about this before, he has so much equity with uh, being an original founder of the company and being a VP from the start. And people do want to like to boo him, not want to turn off the television. And that's what's happening right now with him. And he could harness it if they went a different way. It's not so foregone, but it's getting to the point where it's like, Jesus Christ, this is so weird. Or you're watching someone seeming like um, their feelings are hurt, that the crowd isn't going the way that they want. Or it doesn't make sense to him, and he's getting frustrated. Or there's just something going on that just seems very, very off. And it's burying everyone that he's with. You notice that Malachi Black and Pac aren't attached to him right now, and that feels a lot better. You're more intrigued in what they're doing. You're not intrigued when they're feuding with him. Um, also, it's kind of uh, noticeable that he's not talking right now and doing promos. Like the last time he did, he did his I hear you speech, and then nothing has changed with his character since he's done that. It's like there's nothing that's been different. It's been the same weird kind of shit that's just odd. So it's it's a very frustrating viewing experience. It's funny in the moment. But in hindsight, it doesn't make any sense. And you're going, what the fuck is this is just bizarre. Every week I get a little bit more worried that he actually is going to eventually challenge for the world title and win it. 
despite his character being not that like i just i start to think more and more that that just becomes more likely which i just don't like like i i hate okay so for listeners uh one of my least favorite pro wrestlers is Shawn michaels and (laughs) i i respect him even less with the fact that he actually came back after that retirement match that he had and fought at uh one of those blood for oil pay-per-views uh i i just can't believe that he like it just feels like you just completely disrespected like the end of your career or like that that moment like it means nothing obviously there's always the joke that no pro professional wrestler really ever retires and like that's fine but then just don't say you're retired or don't have a retirement match um you know that's one of the things i respect about lucha libre is like the whole mask rules where like you don't once you're seen without your mask you don't wear your mask um i feel like in 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 the u.s like those like stipulations are just never held to and i get that sometimes it's a work or whatever but like i just i don't want to see it like then don't give me that stipulation it's just pointless to me at that point or lean into being a heel if he if he was a total committed heel it would be fine but trying to do this cena thing doesn't make any sense because there's not casual fans of AEW, and you're just not at the same level of cena but you're really fucking talented and you're, you're a great heel like be a heel. His character in New Japan was fucking fantastic, and Brandy played her role to the yes. tilt and was awesome at what she did. Do that; it's okay. You don't you, and and you don't need to be a kayfabe face because it's going to look bad for charity. Like, what fucking person thinks that this is real? And like, your fan base are all old; they're not children. It's it, it's not for children. And doing a flaming table spot isn't marketing to children. Like Cena was different because he was doing Make-A-Wish stuff and his fans were four years old. It's a different audience. And you're not going to turn him heel because you're making millions upon millions of tens of millions of dollars on those shirts for small children. And also generationally, you had people who are our age coming back or even folks who um, were fathers or, you know, of those little kids. So it just doesn't, it's a different, it, 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 it's a false equivalency to compare him with Cena. Yeah, it is. Well, we really and, went and down I, a fucking rabbit hole on that. Yeah, yeah. we really Second, tore him to shreds. Because I don't want to do, again, we're not going to have a feud with a fictional character. That's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> we say that, but this is our second time definitely ripping him in this segment. But, Look, you got to be passionate about something in this world. That's true. Sean, what was your cringe of the week? Um, yeah, other than that, um, MJF, his suit and scarf, scarf combination, just really eyesore on TV. Uh I think CM Punk called him Larry David's PJs. Uh, that was great. <laughs> that was great. But uh, other than that, his promo and uh, the infamous Britt Baker line that we've kind of been throwing around in the note sheet, uh, show sheet, uh, just wasn't wasn't good at all. I couldn't stand it at all. He kept, like Alex was saying earlier, he kept calling him PG Punk. And every time it just irked me more and more. He came up with one pump chump after the whole saying you're going to get in bed with Brick Breaker, what the whole, it was just awful to me. Um, Continued to try and kind of joke around with it when, before Punk kind of came in and may have saved the moment with uh, when he started having his uh, retort, but just wasn't the best out of MJF what we've come to, to know and see from him. And for me, I thought it was weird that like, 
pro wrestling typically for women has not been in the past the most generous in terms of uh, treating them <gasps> like equals. Yeah, I know. We'll <laughs> we'll take hard out here uh, for a woman. Took me nine. Yeah, it took me nine episodes, but I've I've got uh I've got a hot take finally, and um, so to to then kind of reduce which I I we talked about in our group chat this week. I don't think that they didn't run he didn't run this by Brit or anything like that. I, I'm sure he did, but it still at the end of the day reduces like your top women's star to like a basically like a, a sexual figure or whatever. And I just think that because of the history that pro wrestling has with women and and treating them like that's all they are, I I would rather just see Britt Baker as just another top athlete and not have her referred to in that way or have anybody on the roster referred to that way. I think that that to me was what really spoke to me in terms of like, eh, you missed the mark on this. Like I, I love, I love MJF. I think usually he can do pretty much no wrong when it comes to what he says. Cause I understand that he's doing it to get heat. Uh, but it just, in this time it, it missed the mark and I'm really hoping that they like realized it afterwards and like, okay, let's never do that again because I I just felt weird about it. Like even if he ran it by Brit, like it's just kind of a weird thing to say. What made it weirder too is Brit's segment was pre-taped, so she doesn't get a chance to comment or retort. And then Adam Cole runs out and he does his live segment, and like, okay, fucking acknowledge it because if someone said that about my wife, I'd say something. You know, I don't have the body of Jose, but still, I would do something. You know, um, but like, so, so that's just awkward that they don't get a chance to acknowledge it. And I understand the intention of one: you can't do heel heat where it's like, you know, your local quarterback is not a good passer. Like at some point, <laughs> that shit's gonna run get old. And yeah. obviously, they uh, Adam Cole has spoken about wanting to wrestle CM Punk in the future, and Punk has mentioned Britt multiple times, but in a you know laudable way. Um, so maybe those two will be dancing partners, Sean, down the line. However, the timing of it is just odd, and you're naturally going to want to say something now, but you can't because it muddles the feuds that you have going on, and there's just too much of a good thing going on at one time. So it just seemed very messy. Um, and just, yeah, you, there's a segment of the audience, too, that just doesn't want to see that type of slander or venom um, thrown at a woman who can't say anything. Yeah, uh, I, I think that overall, when we when we look at the comment, it, it wasn't like some just like egregious thing, but it was just something that didn't really it didn't move anything forward for me. Uh, and it, it didn't really have anything to do with their feud. So uh, to me, I think, you know, hopefully, hopefully it just doesn't come up. And, uh, you know, we did hear on the wrestling podcast uh, arrival show, uh, you know, Adam Cole did say that if MJF ever mentions Britt Baker again, he's going to punch him in the mouth and uh, looking forward to that feud and, and uh, hopefully Adam Cole hitting him with a couple super kicks. Adam Cole's afraid of Tony Schiavone. He's not going to do anything. I mean, if he says one more thing, I don't know if he's going to actually hit MJF, but yeah, hopefully just never again. I mean, or just in a different fashion, just not great. What about you, Alex? Yeah. What's your cringe? Yeah. So speaking of things kind of just being brought up in promos, it was uh, for me, it was in the WWE uh, Edge bringing up uh, the Miz's partner, John Morrison, recently being released um, and just kind of blaming him for his partners being released in the past. It's kind of weird when people are reacting the way they are to these WWE releases. I think they're up to like, is it over a hundred this year that they've released or 80 or 80. something like that? It was 80 last time. Yeah. So it's like they're up to 80. 80- 80 people. It's something that obviously the fans have been upset by, 
Uh, and even if we weren't fully upset by it, it's still kind of just gross to bring it up. Like that's somebody's livelihood. That's somebody's dream that just got crushed, you know, especially like when you look at somebody like Morrison, who he's been around for a long time and this is probably his last run there. I just think that, uh, it was almost like they tried to be like AEW and acknowledging like being meta and acknowledging things, but it just wasn't, it didn't really play well. Um, I felt like overall it just, once again, it was a thing that really didn't add anything to anything other than me just feeling like a little bit like, ugh, like I, I don't like that. That's exactly the point. It doesn't add to anything. And it's astonishing for a publicly traded company that's in a wrestling war. They constantly make themselves look like the heel and they set the promotion up to be dickheads. And it's not even like Vince. It's just the company itself. Like they, I'm sorry, I hit my microphone there. Um, but the, the company itself makes the company look bad. And like they're a company of heels. And it's just, it's an astonishing, weird tone to have about your own company. Like you would, I mean, I don't want them to do the stand up for WWE shit because boy, that was annoying. But make yourself look good. Like don't do this stuff to make you look like cold, callous assholes. And obviously, a segment of your audience is um, going through layoffs and all the stuff that we're going through at the pandemic, too. Like it's, again, it's very, very tone deaf. But it makes total sense when you're in a wrestling bubble and there's no outside world and you have no idea of what's in reality. Um, so you, you you say something like that because, oh, yeah, we can do it better than those indie idiots. Well, you didn't. And it just looks really tacky and shitty. Yeah, zero real payoff to that. It just continues to be, like you said, tone deaf. Uh, maybe they can kind of figure out how to break that fourth wall barrier of how to talk to the fans. but they continue to not be able to do it. And I also don't know if it's, I want to see edge being the one to do it. It's that's back going back to someone who's been gone for so long, just a person of our childhood now back and continuing a feud with Miz. It's, it was awful. It was just trying to pay off something that's not going to work in the end. Yeah. It felt like something that just, they thought was going to come off way cooler than it did. So, uh, moving on to happier times, anticipation for next week. Chris, what are you excited about? Excited to see MJF come home. Um, I, I want to see the reaction. He's been really trying to baby face up to the crowd too on Twitter. So I want to see him get a full face reaction. I think that would be hilarious, but I love how, you know, he's totally capable of just turning on the hometown crowd. And so it'll be, I'll be on pins and needles watching them. I think it's going to be a great performance. And I'd actually love to see them shit all over punk. Um, almost like a USA Canada that WWE did back in 1997, um, where it's bizarro world type reaction or the opposite. I think that would be fun and entertaining to see. And I would like to see MJF be a face in a way just to see what that would feel like. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see what the reaction is like. I'm I'll be, glued to the glued to the tv next week my my full anticipation is that it's going to be uh face pop and then he he takes soaks it in for a minute or two and then immediately turns on them and i'm so excited to see what he does to do it like i feel like the more he talks about 
coming home and everything like that, the more I'm like, he's really just, he, he already knows what he's going to say to flip them. And, and that's they, what has me excited. And they had a chance to call it like the first dance or something, or like the next dance <laughs> or something like that. And have him try uh, to do like a complete replica of Punk's first dance at the United Center. They get a totally like tried to do a shitty version of that. And maybe they still will. Maybe that's what they're going to do. And that would be, uh, actually fun breaking the fourth wall meta shit. That would be great to watch. I would absolutely love that. Sean, what is it that you're looking forward to over the next week or so? Uh, speaking of MJF, I'm looking forward to the AEW Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal coming up soon. Um, if my Steiner math is correct on Taz's Steiner math, I'm truly hoping Ricky Starks wins this. <laughs> I think that would be a great match if it's, Ricky Starks, MJF, two heelish assholes, great on the mic, going back and forth with each other for a diamond ring. That'd be perfect. And I think Ricky Starks would be the perfect person to take it off. I think he'd be a great person to to wear that ring and kind of finally have a good story going with uh, Team Taz. And now that Dante Martin's there, are we going to see kind of him in a pawn situation for the, the bigger and badder members of Team Taz? Um, MJF's had this little ring since 2019, beating Hangman, the current champion, and Orange Cassidy last year. So we'll see. I can't wait. Uh, always love a little battle royale and kind of gets us ready for the Royal Rumble coming in January. Totally. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if they uh, have it wind up where it's MJF and Wardlow. And he expects nice. Wardlow to do the honors for him. And then that will be the uh ignition for um Wardlow to do the turn on uh MJF and join up with Punk or something. I don't know. But I I actually kinda want to see him keep the ring. Uh I like it as a silly prop on him and something for him to be an asshole. But I too love a battle role that actually has some stakes. As much as I love pizza slices of uh a deep dish uh delicacy from Pizza Hut, I do want to see a little bit something more important. Can't let that go. Part of me doesn't want to see fucking let that one go. That like got to my soul. I was so enraged. Part of me doesn't want to see MJF lose the ring. I I, I kind of want it to just be his thing and just have like a ten year dynasty of it. I actually think uh, I want to call my shot here that I think Leo and Dante are actually still working together, and there's going to be something that happens where Dante screws over Team Taz here. Um, that's what I believe is going on. Cause I think otherwise it just seems so weird. I almost made my cringe of the week I, that Leo rush promo. Yeah, that was, close. Uh, Oh yeah. That was very close. I, I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh man. I did not feel good there, but no. and I'm, just I'm hopeful being a businessman too. was also weird. Like, wait, a businessman doesn't have feelings. Like <laughs> that, that was like your whole <laughs> like, just... Well, that, and that's part of what has me thinking that there's going to be, that him and Dante aren't actually uh, aren't actually separated at this point. I think that uh, they're just trying to get one over on Team Taz so that Team Taz turns their backs during the Battle Royal and Dante and, and Leo can work together at some point. So and, uh, we'll see if I'm right. Uh, and if, I, if, I'm, if I'm right, then maybe you guys have to sing, I don't know, uh, a song as well. And Dante's um, bad acting also was like perfect in this uh, instance of just like... Uh, Mm. Get the little Orange Cassidy shrug that he gave. It was like a, it was like when you like go and ask like a, like a sixteen year old kid that works at Target, like, hey, do you have any more of this in the back? And "Mm." Uh. (laughs) (laughs) oh, that's great. 
uh, for myself, I am just looking forward to this week and, and the winter is coming uh, go home show. I think that there's still a lot to see, um, you know, what what's to come for next week. But uh, obviously they're going to treat next week like a big, big show because that's what it is. Uh, we're going to finally get to see Hangman and Danielson. Um, we're going to get to see some other exciting stuff with the, the Battle Royal coming up and everything. So um, I'm just excited about I just feel like I feel like AEW knows how to get you excited for the next week's show when it's a big one or for the pay-per-view, whatever it is. And uh, so I'm I'm holding out hope that it's going to be a really exciting uh, week, both for Rampage and Dynamite. And I think they're due for a big rating as well. They've uh, their numbers have gone a little bit down. Obviously, that's impacted by uh, some West Coast issues and some basketball and hockey and so forth. But nevertheless, I know they're dying for a big rating. Um, speaking of dying, someone's going to die inside in this next little segment here. So. Uh, for those of you that don't listen to the show every single week, um, we do have a little uh, little inside segment here where if any of us says Daniel Bryan as opposed to Brian Danielson, they have to sing a little song. And that song is the theme song of Bailey's. It's classic. Yeah. And so we didn't really explain why we were laughing at Alex last week, but Alex is going to uh, break out into his... Uh, break out in a, a little weird Al Gibson, if you will, and it's going to do some polling songs <laughs> for us to, to close out the show today. So um, before we leave you with that, we just want to uh, wrap up by saying again, subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. Please visit WrestlingElitist.com for our latest match reviews and articles and uh, help support the show and website by sharing our shit with uh, the rest of the internet wrestling community. And finally, if you have a question or a topic that you'd like us to address on the podcast, by all means, please hit us up in the comments section of uh, wherever you stream your podcast or just email us through wrestlingleaders.com. Our email addresses are up on the website. So now that we got the outro, Alex, it's time to really take us home. Time to celebrate. There ain't no stopping us now. We celebrate on the floor. Top down, we're ready to go. To all the people across every nation, turn it up and give me some more. <laughs> there ain't. Oh, shit. <laughs> keep it going, keep it going. Uh. <laughs> there ain't no stopping us now. We celebrate on the floor. Top down, we're ready to go. We're ready. To all the people across every nation, turn it up and give me some more.